0: Rugby World Cup podcast We've got our full crew this week Episode 2 Alan Deegan making his debut
1: Hello Rob yeah,
0: good to have Alan Eagle along. You'll know him from our Craggy Island podcast as well, but he's here to talk World Cup rugby and he's wearing a Japan jersey as well, I tell you. You went into work with that, didn't you?
1: I did, I did. Got great. Um, the, one of the guys at work is his girlfriend's Japanese, and he made me pose and tell you to have a photograph with it to show her how mad we are.
0: <laughs> and if anyone doesn't uh, believe how much Irish people were excited about that, just watch the video of the Irish fans in the tent in Cardiff going more berserk than the people in the stadium in Brighton. Dave Finn, welcome back. You were here last week, you're back
2: again. I am indeed, and I'd just like to say i was expecting one canadian beard but canadian beards man they really didn't let us down uh three classics very heavily picked up by the replacement number eight for america who was who managed to combine a big bushy beard a ponytail and a full scrum cap i've been very impressed by the beards so far some of our ireland possibly a little bit too clean cut some of the europeans very clean cut but north americans really bringing it to the table that is the kind of insightful analysis on the key points over the
0: weekend that you can expect in this podcast. Thank you, Dave. Uh, William, your highlight, beards and
3: Japan aside. Uh, Ireland's win will do for me.
0: <laughs> and Welcome along.
3: Yeah, thank you very much.
0: Yeah, there's uh, William Davies Adrianne Deegan. Bit of a plug for her as well. She's not going to talk. She's saying she's the one who doesn't speak in this podcast. But let's just be said that she has uh, made us tea and cookies with a special gluten-free chocolate mixed in with non-gluten mix, which means Alan Deegan can't eat the cookies. But I think they quite, quite, quite may well be the most ironic cookies ever for Alan, right there. That chocolate's amazing in those cookies.
1: Valrhona chocolate, and I can't touch it. That's shocking. Yeah.
0: Yeah, well, he's, uh, he's, he's in a battle here, but uh, let's just say we've been well looked after in household Deegan here. Last week, we was in, in William Davies' house. Uh, Dave, you're going to have to put my us up about,
2: My house is about the size of you, so it's not going to happen. Guys, unfortunately, I can't put you up. Um, however, I will bring you out for a slap-up cup of coffee.
0: I think I think my house is a little bit bigger. It's about the size of Mr. Dijegar in the uh, South African second row. Hey, well, where else to start, Alan? The, the place where your uh, work colleague's girlfriend comes from. The place that has now dropped baseball, dropped sumo wrestling, dropped football. Their new favourite sport.
1: Rugby. Yeah, and this 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 from a team who who um, in size wise their pack gave away fifty kilos to the opposition. Their backs gave away another thirty two kilos to the opposition, and they still blew them off the field. Phenomenal
0: stuff. Uh, Ken Early wrote a great piece today in the Irish Times and a great example of the fact that the way rugby goes, a lot of people feel, oh, I don't know if I know the game enough. Ken Early doesn't know rugby. He's not a rugby man. Wrote an incredible account of the day. I thought he captured it very well. We should all talk about that a little bit, but it's a good way to lead on to because one of the things he was saying was as he watched that South African team walk in, he was talking about the Japanese warming up, wondering if it was like Christians warming up before the Lions.
3: Yeah, it was a good piece. Um, Biggest shock in the history of World Rugby, without a doubt. Not yep. just World Cups. Yep. You couldn't see it happening. And even with a couple of minutes to go, you thought this is not going to happen. But they stuck at it. Uh, they had a, seemed to have had a great plan for the South African for, to tackle these huge South Africans. They just chopped them down and chopped them down. And South Africa never came to terms with that at any stage in the game. Uh, Eddie Jones is a very smart coach. He's brought in Steve Borthwick, the ex-England uh, player, to help with their scrum and line-out tactics. They still do some very strange things. They, they don't follow up their own kicks. They, some of the South African tries came from incredibly soft tackling. But they did it and it's really Japan we should be focusing on, not South Africa.
0: I totally agree and we will focus on South Africa maybe a little bit later but we'll leave them right to the end because we have Brett Wilkinson on the podcast this week. A little bit of expert analysis from the former Connacht Ireland A and uh, current
1: Buccaneers uh, coach as well. You have to remember that and this is something that I don't think anybody realised except Stephen Jones who said that South Africa are going to struggle in this game. Japan won every game they played last year. It was all tier two. They came through to qualifying without being beaten. They bet Wales the year before. They've beaten Scotland in recent times. They've beaten Italy in recent times. Mm. So, like, th- this is a team that's been slowly but surely building themselves up. And that self belief of, of a winning run for that length of time is always going to come good at some stage.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting. You know, one of the things, William, I was chatting about this off air actually to Brett earlier on about how games can go. So, Brett coaches Buccaneers, actually. And we're going to hear, we're going to hear, I mentioned that when we were talking to him. but you know he they had a weekend game where they were well up by 17 points and then just things went wrong in the second half they ended up losing 43 38 or something but he was saying once a game gets into a certain level that is chaos does, all all bets are off and and he said that last 10 minutes in South Africa Japan it doesn't matter who was wearing what jersey it just no more size no more years of experience when a game falls into that chaos which it was Japan had every chance
3: yeah i think rugby these days is so Uh, analysed and Mm. planned and whiteboarded and videoed that players sometimes freeze when the chaos starts. Mm. They want to play the game. Uh, Every team seems to have their own particular pace that they want to play at. That game on Saturday was just played at 100 miles an hour and the structure in it broke down completely. Mm. And I think that uh, it freaked South Africa. Mm. Lambie, the out half, had a Dreadful game Couldn't master the game Couldn't run the game The way they expected He gets hauled off And a certain amount of panic Then probably starts In their own coaching panel Because they're they're not sure What's going on They did South Africa And I said I didn't want To keep talking about them But they'd come in On a bad run of games But they must have thought Yeah okay this is a good start We're going to win this game And they probably believed that Up until about the 78th minute And then suddenly the, They suddenly started thinking this could go completely wrong now.
1: I love the. Yeah, yeah I think it might have been a slightly earlier because they did a skew two or three kicks to goals earlier in the game, but on the 56th minute they kicked. And that was that stage, there was a sort of, uh, we need to do something about this, guys. Yeah. But I think part of it is, and Eddie Jones right? someone sent me the link today, Eddie Jones wrote about it the games the game needs to change it needs to be more broken up it needs more fatigue and you could see that the it's a Japanese- great line is it
0: it needs more fatigue no one yeah. has ever looked like it takes one sentence to make you really think about okay that's a great way of putting it like.
1: yeah and it's because there's too many substitutions being able to substitute half the team is bloody ludicrous and always has been
0: which he's arguing favors. Is- then powerful size big powerful men because they're not as tired and they can they can stay on the pitch for longer and hit people hard right to the very end rather than tiring and opening up the
1: game and that's what happened they got tired the, the Japanese played the game at such a pace that mm. they, they got tired like when, when think about it they're, you're talking about the scrum half the difference between their scrum half the, the Japanese scrum half is 72 kgs <laughs> almost the last time a professional rugby player was 72 kgs playing against Ruan Pinar, who's one of the best in the world at 95 kgs or 90, 93 kgs like that's 20 kgs difference that's, that's one player you know, and it's it's right across the board. Like the the on average, I think it's about four or five kg difference in size. That sometimes size is not a, a be all and end all. Keith Wood mentioned it. He 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 brought himself up to 18 and a half stone one year, and he said he couldn't play. He couldn't finish a game. He had to come off at every single match. That there is a level, there is a point where you can't do it people and the game starting, needs to be kept running.
0: People are starting to talk about this now, that maybe that's coming as well and maybe the fear that size was going to dominate rugby, there would be a point where the smaller teams would, would, would take over. I just want to bring a point to Dave. Dave, Japan have been doing this for years and they've stuck at it. They've had a belief of we play an exuberant, exciting brand of rugby. Let's not, anyone forget maybe people who are new to the game may not realise that Japan excites us in almost every World Cup in some way, shape or form. They are famous for an amazing shellacking from New Zealand but they've had some great days. But they never won, but they stuck true to their principles. They didn't try to structure their game and change their game. Well, they have
2: put us it' I mean, it'd be not, that's not fair to say they haven't put a structure. They put a structure on it that suits them. Yeah. It's no longer hair and scare and pass it out to the very quick guy in the wing. Now, they used to have fantastic wingers. They were always brilliant wingers, although I think they had the leading try scorer in the world at one stage, primarily but the reason we don't know that they put destruction the again when we see them against South Africa is because we're not following tier two nations. We have no—I mean, there's the coverage. I oh. watched them
0: everywhere, a Cup. <laughs> yes.
2: Yeah, come back to uh, yeah. well, this has done it, and this I think South Africa, I think everybody in the Western Hemisphere has taken their, uh, the the Nordens. We say northern, but you know what I mean. In tier one the countries, have taken their eye off the ball, and we saw it to a certain degree um, with Argentina when they go into the go into the um, the four nations. Is that suddenly they're getting regular regular game time against top teams in the? Top opposition Now one thing Japan haven't been Playing top opposition What they have do They've been holding their own And more importantly The teams that they're Supposed to be of their level They've been giving them A bit of a kicking So Japan are going in In great confidence Know that when On one off occasions They can now They can beat teams Now they're getting Four games against Well I'd say Three games against Top opposition They they shouldn't Technically beat But now they know They can I don't think They have anything to think I think that group Which was looking A bit boring it was the Safers and it was the Jockos, hope, you know, coming through with a little bit of a scare. That group is wide open. It is a fascinating group. And it's probably the most important group because now you're talking four teams for two places.
1: And after that result of the weekend, Japan are actually above Scotland in the world rankings.
0: Yes. But they're still a tier two nation. Try to make sense of that. That's uh, welcome to the world of world rugby. There's something I want to talk about a bit later. We'll talk about you. No, hang on, hang
1: on. So are Samoa and Fiji, and they're also above Scotland, who yeah. are regarded as a tier one. Nation. Tier
0: one nation. It's
1: insane. One middle last one. Eddie Jones has never coached the team that's lost to Scotland. <laughs>
0: interesting alright so when we get to Wednesday's you game Wednesday. you will on Wednesday says William yeah. when we get to Wednesday's game we'll we'll talk about one of the big issues and I'll bring William in on this a- Adri was saying it before and that she wants us to talk about this uh, lack of time between teams uh, getting the rest tier 2 nations getting no rest so we will talk about that a little bit later in the podcast but for now let's hear from a uh, South African Brett Wilkinson I'd like to say, Brett Wilkinson is joining us for the first time on this podcast. He'll be joining us a few more times as well. We bumped up the order of when you're joining us, Brett, because uh, well, not on on other things, he'll be talking about Irish rugby, having been involved with this team and this squad down through the years, and of course with Connacht as well for many, many years, but uh, you have a bit of South African roots in you. That's that's your home country, and uh, my God, they had a bad weekend.
4: Yeah, look, let's just say Saturday wasn't a wasn't a great day. <laughs> um,
0: what was it like yeah. when you walked into work, work uh, this morning?
4: Well, I just got impressions of like people <laughs> going, "What happened? What's wrong with you?" And um, no, look, it was uh, it was pretty pretty. Uh, well, it was for Japan a great result. Mm. Um, I think it's good for old rugby. But uh, South Africa, wow, well, um, very very disappointing for them, um, and they've just made things a whole lot tougher for themselves. So. It'll be interesting to see how that South African team react. Yeah. Um, but the, uh, you know, the, the press back home and well, I suppose all over the world is is as expected, very very negative and um, towards the team, towards the coach. And <laughs> yeah, let's just say it wasn't a good day.
0: It's interesting. I was chatting to uh, some of the lads who were watching it with me. Uh, we were kind of speculating on how South Africa reacted to this and you know there was some nice stuff said about you know Schalk you saw him afterwards just smiling and shaking hands with the players in terms of the respect that they had for what Japan had done but then there were those shots of the dressing room with towels over the head utter distraught players how they react to this this team will forever be remembered as the South African team that lost to Japan unless unless they probably win the World Cup now and I guess that's the one thing that still saves them here at the moment unlike Ireland and Lenz in 99 they still got a whole World Cup in front of them to yeah. save this
4: yeah look, I think if they don 't win the world cup um, it 'll be an absolute disaster, and the pressure on them has just increased increased uh, tenfold to win it
0: but they can still save this life
4: they can of course they can mm. and uh I mean, if they, co- they know if they come second in their group and and, and they go through. They've actually got maybe a, a easier running in, in mm. into the into the quarters, but they well, can, was it all
0: part of a plan, Brad? I, I don't <laughs> think so, Rob.
4: I don't think so, no. But uh, you, look, they can still salvage this, um, and they'll truly believe um, that they can salvage it and, and go on to win it. But um, I don't think losing on Saturday would have would have been in the plans
0: have they gone to some of these young players too soon or what, what's the story I mean we saw this team lose to Argentina a few weeks ago at home which was a big shock to them but then we saw them bounce back with a really strong display in Argentina and I think that's what gave the South African rugby public a lot of confidence like.
4: yeah I don't look there's, there's some young exciting players there mm-hmm. and I think those younger players probably warrant their place um, it's a massive call you know De is the captain but I don't know if he's at 100% mm. and you've got young Jesse Creel and uh, Damien Delandi there who are been exceptional exceptional when they've played for the box, and in their provinces they've been outstanding the whole year so, you know, and then you've got you know, tight head, you've got Kuni uh, Ostazen who used to be a loose head who's now converted onto the tight end. so you know, they could lack a little bit of experience there but um, there are young, exciting players coming through, and they're well up for it so, I don't know whether, you know it just has to be a mental thing and they underestimated Japan on the day and, um You know, Japan, Japanese rugby is on the rise the whole time. I mean, South African players even said it, that, you know, Japan, look out for them, for Edipri plays over there. He said these guys are well-drilled, well-coached, and it's in their nature to take detail on board. And, uh, yeah, so they were were well-worn, but, you know, just on the day it just didn't happen you
0: uh, wore the green of Ireland at the very least uh, in the build up and, and been involved in the, in the squads as well tell me about what you think of this current squad where they're going some of your impressions on that first game against Canada where a lot of us are feeling yeah opposition aside there was a lot of really good signs there
4: yeah there were there were good signs um, let's just like let's remember I mean first game in the World Cup there'll be nerves no matter who you are uh, what your status you could be Paul O'Connell you could be Dave Carney anyone the nerves build up for that first game in the World Cup. You know, you just want to get it off to a good start and get off well. But um, Ireland's, just the way they went about their play, the structure they stuck to, it was really, really exciting and looking forward to watching them even closer.
0: Yeah, Sexton looking strong. Yeah. Uh, Sean O'Brien being back and looking sharp must be really encouraging
4: as well. Yeah, like, um, O'Brien, O'Many, and Heaslip have taken a bit of criticism lately because you know maybe they haven't been performing um, that well. But geez, Sean O'Brien stepped up on the weekend massively, and I think for Ireland you know to do well we need Sexton firing, we need uh, Sean O'Brien, Peter O'Maney, Jamie Heaslip, um, like Dave Conney has been playing some excellent rugby on the wing. Um, we need these players firing um, and, and peaking at the right time and you know, I, think, I think they're showing signs of it.
0: It's going to be a huge, uh, huge World Cup, I think. But it's been one of the better starts to a World Cup, too. Uh, the Japanese game draws, the, draws all the headlines and, uh, and whatnot. But I just think there was a sense that a lot of those games really did capture a bit of the imagination. There's a bit of balls. Argentina put in a real strong effort against New Zealand. This is all good for world rugby, isn't it?
4: It's brilliant. And I mean, I think it's only going to get better and better as this World Cup goes along. Um, you know, once you get out to those knockout stages, um, you know, that's kind of when you, you get the best teams that are playing. Um, but there's a great buzz around it and, um, I mean, you could see um, the uh, the England-Fiji game, mm. how that started. I mean, you could see the nerves that got to every single player and, you know, the whole build-up to that. You could see it. I mean, it wasn't the best game of rugby at all and Eng- England looked really shaky at times. Um, and that's just pressure of it and how much it means to, you know, a country that's hosting it.
0: All right, part two. Alan Deegan, your wife has just said, Do you want a beer, lads? I think you need a beer.
1: Yeah, well, I, yeah. She's a very good hostess.
0: She certainly is, but uh, I'm not sure if that was a reference to the, uh, the performance of our podcast. Over. William, we need to pick it up a little bit here. Hey, good weekend overall for the Rugby World Cup.
3: Yeah, it was a very good start. Uh, it's a long tournament. You were saying there was too many teams. Everyone going like, hey, well, is there? Yes. Okay. There are there are too You're many. T- there are too many teams.
0: Still, after what Japan did?
3: Yes. Because they'd be in the top 16 anyway. Well, possibly they would would, would be. Uh, I don't buy into this ranking stuff because it it just keeps moving around. And, you know, teams move up and they move down based on a result here and a result there. So I think the tournament struggles because we now have midweek games coming up. Some teams, Japan being a prime example, have gone from that enormous high, have to... run out on a pitch at 2.30 on Wednesday afternoon to take on Scotland, who are playing their first game. If you had less teams, it could be set up to be played from Thursday to Sunday over weekends.
0: Yeah, with more teams, you could just stretch it to eight weeks. What's the difference between eight weeks and seven weeks?
3: Uh, television, I think, would struggle to handle an eight-week tournament. I actually struggle to handle a seven-week tournament. I think it's too long. That's just personal opinion. I think it needs to be cut back. I don't think it will be. The This tournament works on the eight-quarter finalists are qualified for the next World Cup. I would play it. 16 teams, eight-quarter finalists, and the third place in your four groups would play off for one position in the next World Cup. And I think that would give them something to play for. It would be a sharper product.
0: Yeah, it's not a bad argument. When William says he doesn't have the stamina to keep going watching it, he is one of the best sports watchers I know, so that is saying something.
1: Oh, yeah, just just going on forever. You know, like it, it, it's funny. There was... I did a, I've did got a pool going to work where I you know, did a bit of Prediction League and on Thursday I had two entries. On Friday I sent out final reminder, World Cup starts and I, and I got 14 entries. You know People were suddenly interested because it was just the day of the thing. But like, it, part of the reason that I'm doing it now is that like, when it gets to the quarterfinals I'm going to do it again. <laughs> I'm going to get more entries and get people joining because it's like two different competitions and there's still four weeks away before that happens.
0: I might join that one because I forgot to do any predictions as usual.
2: Anyways, Dave. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: I, th- I think what
2: Has it been a good weekend the It's question. been an. It, I'm not going to jump in It's been a fantastic weekend I think that one result Has absolutely Just given it The jolts I mean we now have A Frankenstein of a competition It's going to be a behemoth It's going to be a monster It's going to be great yeah. But there have been A few things that have been A little bit A few games have been A little bit yeah. I think To be honest with you If you take Japan out of it in, The best performance Of the weekend Was ourselves Then you to look at Wales And then possibly
1: France No fr- no no no, no. <coughs> Georgia Georgia beating Tonga and and Godgadze was brilliant. That
2: was the
1: best in, he was the best individual performance in terms of the actual game. Let's be
2: frank. In terms of the game, the game wasn't wasn't in terms of if you're being absolutely horrifically analytical, it wasn't a, it wasn't the highest quality game. In terms of what it meant to the people, it surpassed what Japan did. That's in terms true. of what it meant yeah. to the Georgians, I, I mean, J- Japan because Japan celebrated because they didn't the nation didn't expect to win. Georgia. It's kind of got the impression they had to win. Do
0: you know, it's the difference between mean? Bangladesh and Ireland in cricket. Both teams have caused major upsets over the year, but for Bangladesh, it's kind of like Georgia. They really love the sport. For Ireland, it was like, oh, this new sport's great, crack. This is fantastic.
3: Yeah, and they suffered because that was the second game of the Rugby World Cup, played at 12 o'clock on a Saturday afternoon. And everybody had forgotten about it by the time the Ireland game kicked off, and then Japan came along. That was a massive game for them. I've actually was very disappointed with Fiji. Uh, Tonga probably would have been expected to win that game, and Georgia have now—they're still there, thereabouts. The, deep down, they—they'd love at least place in the Six Nations, and it won't happen today. Tomorrow, when the Six Nations will roll on, but at some stage they
2: might become the real sixth power in European rugby. I think they do suffer from a lack of backs though. I think there's I mean their yeah. pack is just and you can even see in the terms that if you look at certain teams, I mean, they have like Gorgadza who is just immense. The second they have a second row place plays two play, two of their pack play for too long. That's impressive. None of their I think one of their backs plays outside Georgia. And I think there's a massive issue there. But if they can develop a back line to match their pack, oh my god, they're gonna be amazing.
0: This might be a bit simplistic, but I'm getting the impression that and this is rich coming from me who doesn't really love sevens rugby but Argentina's embrace of the sevens rugby has helped them develop some backs I, I think in theory anyways they've certainly developed their backs Georgia could take a leaf out of that book because they're they're following the same development path big pack big pack and, and see where we go from there if they can develop the backs wow
1: no I'm not sure I think Argentinians uh, have always had pacey back somewhere along the way I think uh, yeah, Amorous who scored against us in Lons in 1999 no, it wasn't him then it was a guy with a similar type name I can never remember his name I just, yeah, okay. I just no. see them look
0: I, them. I appreciate your point like they were big packs but they had they had a little bit of panache they as well had like, that yeah.
1: too yeah and like it, it, you know whereas Georgian the Georgian thing is coming from their their wrestling history <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think backs in Georgia are a bit like Gaelic footballers in Kilkenny
0: <laughs> I covered their uh, junior football team playing our second team last uh, this year.
2: Yeah, they're not very good. I, I, th- I think what Williams basically saying is they're they're convert they're converted from the game they really really want to play, but they do it because they have to, <laughs> yeah, right. and a certain degree of love of the ball. <laughs> um i have to say There's a number of things First of all There's one my One Christmas My only Christmas With TV3 And I did, it's got nothing to do With the actual Matchday package yeah. Somebody on high Said that we needed A 90 mil build up To the Ireland game And I totally understand that I totally totally understand that What I have a problem with Is that They shut the first half On TV3 And switched it to 3E I thought I'd either stick with it All on TV3 Or show the whole game On 3 Just purely because People would just because of a number of people got caught out. And I think that was just... Yeah. A, and that came from on high. That didn't necessarily come from... It had nothing to do with the production team, nothing to do with the guys in the, on, who were on screen. I think that came from on high from the executive. It was a, it was a poor call. The other thing about the Georgia game was Nige refed it. Mm. You, yeah, that's, that goes to Pro 12. Listen, guys... This is this is an after, This is this is a game that we we've just have seen Could was a bit of an afterthought in terms of it was played at twelve o'clock on Saturday, but somebody went. Do you know what these this, these guys deserve respect? So let's give them the best ref in the world. It was a fantastic call by the organisers in giving them night. Night had a fantastic game. Night basically told the TMO where to go, and uh, the two teams responded. To it. They were allowed to play rugby, and we got a, a decent game.
1: Yeah, and he, he um, at one stage the, there was a scrum and it, it sort of went down and he said something to the to the props and Zir, Zirabash Bashgili or whatever his name is, close enough, um, said to him I don't understand and Nigel Untrum said how many times have i ever refed you you know what I'm talking about. <laughs>
0: nice <laughs> the guy just um, smiled Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. not to come back to that okay so you've touched on that game a little bit but what I want to do next week what we'll do is we'll go through the 20 teams this day next week and, and give our uh, get each year to pick out one of them and, and give your assessment on how they're going so far and where they stand so we'll do that next week because they'll yeah. have played midweek podcast coming up is just going to have a few voices from around the world telling us about what, how the World Cup's going down there so look forward to that but for now The game's gone so far this weekend I know I'm not the only one Who missed a couple of games Over the course of the weekend So I'm going to mention a game Someone put their hand up And say I'll sum that game up for you Alright fair enough Game by game We'll start with England versus Fiji William
3: Um, It wasn't a particularly good game It was Driven by A bit of desperation by England I think they were very nervous Hmm. They got going They won well Fiji were disappointing and the TMO drove everybody to distraction and it nearly lasted two hours. Um, we could be here for a long time talking about that. Maybe it is the future of rugby, but they, they've got to get a hold of it. It was painfully slow. The game just stopped and started constantly. Did
0: you say 13 minutes in total of TMO time?
3: Yeah, there was 13 minutes of decisions first going. Half. First that half. was just in the first half? No, no, that was the whole game. There was also injury delays. Ah, OK. Uh, but there was the TMO sort of took over the refereeing responsibility. Hmm. He's a guy called Veltzman. He got into a row with Nigel Owens during one of the warm-up matches prior to the World Cup where Nigel was trying to push him to make a decision and he just snapped back at him, patience, Nigel, patience. And Nigel Owens' face was a joy to behold. <laughs> but it did... I'm sure that went that well. <laughs> it, yeah, but it didn't, it didn't add to the occasion. Twickenham was buzzing. Uh, England had made a start.
0: OK, yeah, and oh, a bonus, bo- a bonus
2: point. <laughs> that was a long minute, but
0: it needed to be. <laughs> <laughs> it was a bonus point win as well, so we've got to move on to the next game. And I think Dave's going to pipe up for this one. Oh, well,
2: like yeah. One quick thing. Yeah. Um, I thought England got away with murder. We got away with murder in that game. The first try was three truck interiors in a row. And the second, the second try was, who tries to find the centre five metres from their own line with the line-out? And it's no wonder they lost it. it would, see, Fiji self-destructed. And England had one thing. They had one thing in terms of attack. Cause the had, Ford was clearly nervous. Barrett offers him nothing in midfield. So the only person giving either, uh, either Joseph or um, Johnny May any ball was Mike Brown. And what did the Fiji do? Kick to Mike Brown this is like Mike Brown at the field he was brilliant he's he was been my favourite player for 10 years he's just
0: an incredible player and there were times now in fairness when I was ranting on how good he was Alan and there was evidence to suggest yeah maybe he's not so good but he's really developed now and he's now one of, He's now probably the best in the world in his position but England did get a bonus point win so that's good we've got to move on I'll go to you Tonga versus Georgia
1: yeah Tonga Georgia was um, I enjoyed it I thought it, was a, I thought it was a very enjoyable game it might not have been at the super high quality of the other matches but it was it was disappointing from a Tongan point of view because they played directly into the Georgian hands they did one up run and tried to bash through them came back inside nearly all day when they moved the ball wide they caused Georgia problems but they did that about three times in the whole game the rest of the time it was one up smack back into the Tongan guys and almost like a sort of macho thing where we know how you like to play the game we're going to beat you up doing that and they weren't able to do it And Gorgodza Was just Astounding Like you know That man was just Absolutely Parise like Is the best thing I could say About him He was fantastic
0: Yeah that's a good summation Ireland versus Canada Dave
2: Ah we got the job We got the job done Um It was grand We got seven tries We, We We can play better We can play worse Uh Jamie Cudmore does his Dunaco Callan impression Up to a point The point being that Dunaco Callan doesn't get caught uh, Jamie Cudmore does We score three tries We knock it over We're fine Disappointed with the sec- first 20 minutes Of the second half um, Disappointed with Jared Payne Kicking it to Deeth the Merva. But you know uh, What can I say i have stood where I stood we, we got the job done We scored tries We have no injuries And Canada have great beards
0: I'll, g- <laughs> I'll give you each a time On Ireland versus Canada Because we're going to be Slightly biased And give Ireland a little bit more time Than, than the other teams Just for an extra two minutes
1: yeah, Sexton was fantastic um, I thought that the depth at which we were running onto the ball was phenomenal not something we've seen at all in the in the warm-ups um, and our attitude I, I thought our attitude was brilliant
0: Alright, that's a good summation and William anything to add to that?
1: Yeah, I, th- I thought it was a fine performance I didn't see it I
3: listened to it on the radio which is a s- and it was BBC radio Dennis Hickey was doing the summary and he was very interesting he just talked about lack of clarity in the warm-up matches and he said He was basing it on a building process, and I think that was a damn good start.
0: All right, there you go. That's that. Then went on to South Africa versus Japan. So maybe for this, we'll just uh, listen to this. Stop. that South African fan that you heard at the start shouting knock on knock on he's the the type of fan that I don't understand in world sport because in that kind of scenario if Ireland are losing to Japan or about to lose to Japan while I will hope they knock it on I will at that stage just be just keeping my head quiet really even me who is very noisy of games because you know I mean if you need a knock on from Japan the last minute just keep your head down for the love of God
3: well, he's praying to God, and he's just shouting, "Knock on!" And he's—he's he's very close to the action. He's at the back of the stand, and it's happening on the far side of the pitch. Um, yeah, I can fully understand where he's coming from. He's just—he's just hoping against hope. If he was
0: beside me, I'd be like, "Give it up already!" No,
2: oh, no, you don't understand, man. He's telling the Japanese that that's what he wants them to do. <laughs> and it didn't
0: work. Bad day
2: for them. Oh, next game. Yeah, we've got to move
0: on. We haven't much time. France versus Italy. Can we possibly fill sixty seconds? Alan's up. Moving on On Wednesday Kieran McNamara Will be on the line For uh, a Skype chat About France After they play Romania Oh hang on Dave We still have some time So if you want to Fill it with anything First of
2: all 2-2 Tight head prop score I don't don't, don't remember seeing I personally don't remember Seeing that in in the game That both tight head prop score But Hugh J is massive Hugh J is huge And it was one of those Horrible Because you can actually see If if you haven't seen it guys He picks up a ball And he, he Spins off his right foot and I think it's, is it right knee that goes, guys? Yeah, it's right knee. And he, he, then he falls into the tackle and knocks on. It's just disastrous. And there has been a few of those. And I think that's going to be a big issue. Huge is their best strike runner. I mean, they, they can bring on Fiku and they've got Fafana to come on. But it's, it, it's, it's who, you, who do they then bring in to replace him? And this is where I need, when we talk about Wales, I think Wales may have made a huge cock up in a call. And that would be before this week. And I think they got a call wrong last week, and the Chamber played their call up. We'll be interested to see what happens after that. We'll get to that in a second. Uh,
0: moving on to USA versus Samoa. And I tell you one thing, I watched a bit of this, and I was impressed with a number of things. America scored one try that was out of this world, Dave. To maybe talk about that. And I thought, from a Samoa point of view, they're never going to look good in this game, and they won.
2: No, they're not going to look good in they this just game. Don't because, do yeah, because well, I mean, they're they're a team that if ever there's a team that rises with their opposition, it, mm. it's more. They will play very well against big teams, and you know if they put the Welsh out against them, they they'd have it up a notch. I think, I think to a certain degree, it was a no-win game for. I mean, it's it, 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 it's it's it's. We don't think that are we don't understand, maybe it's because we regard them both as minnows, but for Samoa, we regard themselves much, much, much better than the United States. And therefore, they're in a no win situation. They don't want to explode and put 50 points on them, but at the same because they'll be going, well, that's what you're supposed to do. And then, if they have a situation, which was what happened, which was they didn't play particularly well, but did enough to get through. Um, they're going to get criticism And they're also to a certain degree They believe they can make the semi-finals They're not in, With the results As we saw this weekend They're not in a particularly tough group right now with every, Because the Safras We don't know how the Safras Are going to come out of the Japan game So American discipline Did that cost them badly Or was some more just a better team Rather oh, with a better team I mean, some, I mean America are still learning this game There's an awful lot You can still there's an awful lot of naivety With Americans um, As for the try It is a brilliant try And it does bug me that It's a tiny little bug And maybe I'm the only person In Ireland Who has a bug with this The guy who made the break To put him through Against uh, uh, Was AJ McGinty Uh, Alan McGinty Went to school in Black Rock Uh, I think he had a trial With Leinster Didn't make it Went to the States About four years ago Now got through on residency He's now in American cap He's no longer eligible To play for any Irish provinces As an Irish player I find that just a little bit anomalous
0: <laughs> just to clarify he will have to be an Irish, he'll be regarded as a foreign player and one of your non-Irish players if, if he comes back to his home country
3: yeah. well, he's, play, he's played for America so he is a foreign player
0: yeah, but, yeah well it just shows you how we well, okay that's a fair point I mean there's no way of, of reducing that do you want to add something there
3: yeah just about indiscipline and all these two tier, tier two teams I wonder, does that come from the level of referees that they get in some of their matches who maybe let mm. things go? And when they come to a tournament like this, they're being refereed in a different way because Fiji did it, Tonga did it, the US did it, Canada were a shambles. Uh, Codmore, and that's, me- that's just a mental... Sh- getting
1: the captain goes off and by the time he comes back on, they've shipped 20 points and the game's over. Yeah, but just, uh, just on that, New Zealand when they were put under unbelievable pressure had two men in the bin so it's not just necessarily the smaller teams pressure, pressure brings that sort of situation
3: but New Zealand would be more capable of handling that sort of thing it really does seem to, to throw some of the smaller teams in inverted commas that, and it's it's the referees are going to play a huge part about in this World Cup and we're going to talk about it.
0: I, I think I completely understand your point about refereeing because Robe in the Junior Cup, mother of God, <laughs> when they come and take on a couple of uh, junior teams at the I highest mean. level... You Whoa. just
1: told us you haven't got time and then you're bringing Ballonrope
0: I'm just saying, we're playing with lower referees and then we go into a big game in the Junior Cup. Oh, no, OK, let's, uh, let's seriously move it on. Uh, Wales versus Uruguay, is that next? And who watched it?
2: Wales against Uruguay. Um Wales, were, Wales Again, Wales in terms of Wales were grand, the first fifteen minutes I, I was very impressed by Uruguay, but I think they made a they just Wales went Hold on a minute, we're 6-0 down, we can't have this happen They stepped it up, but they, the big issue for Wales Is they've lost three more players They, they lost Palpini, they lost Webb uh, They then uh, So they didn't lose, bring Eli Walker They didn't probably lose Eli Walker, and this is my issue Is they brought in Ross Moriarty, a flanker, to replace a fullback. Liam Williams promptly went off Now it looks like a dead leg, so he should be back okay. He should be back, but Corey Allen's done his hamstring And he's gone, they brought in Tyler Morgan From the Dragons to replace him And just to confuse the issue, Paul... Paul James went off as well, so they have a problem. They may have a problem at Lucid. Wales are the w- the difference between Wales and Ireland. Ireland won their game, got their points, got their tries, got their five points, and had no injuries. Wales did all of that, but managed to pick up three injuries.
0: Yeah, that sums it up brilliantly. Argentina versus New Zealand. Yeah, I yeah I saw a good bit of it. Argentina didn't have a lot of ball in the second half. They tackled, they chop tackled really well, but just going on overall kind of assessment of. It.
1: Yeah, I think that, like we, we we'd have to be worried about playing against Argentina. They look they look phenomenal. They do, they were brilliant. It's the best yeah. game I've seen. I'm glad you said because that was my worry about it. it? They, they were they were fun. I thought they were brilliant. I thought losing their second row when he scored the try was a major blow to them because he they needed they needed fresh legs in the second half. They didn't have someone to bring on to try and get them get the ball back for them. They didn't also make enough of the fact that New Zealand were down to thirteen men for two minutes. They didn't score enough points while McCall was off the field. Um,
0: they gave away a stupid penalty right at the end of the half, and those things are just small things that make big deals. You said, best game you've seen Hernandez play?
1: Yeah, I thought he was fantastic. I thought he was, he, he took control. Like I've seen him play games where he just hoofed the ball in the air, and that's all he was doing. Whereas this, it wasn't just him hoofing the ball in the air. He was making good decisions. He was running at the right times. He was passing at the right times. A couple of maybe dodgy offloads where he maybe shouldn't have done offloads, when, but other times they worked for him. Um, with New Zealand it was phenomenal to watch them step it up when the pressure came on they actually lived with it and this whole thing about the mean chokers is (laughs) not something that's going to live with this team because when they needed it they brought on the players and the players brought brought a whole new level to them
0: Brilliant summary of all the games. Well done, lads. That's great. Final part of the podcast. We're just going to have to get to any other business. We will talk about tier two. We've already kind of touched on it already. Just about the small gap in the week. as you said, William. Part of that is uh, possibly to do with the In terms, I'm totally thrown <laughs> off. That was Alan there, just throwing his top of his beer bottle into the fire, and it's completely Dave's throwing me off.
1: Beer bottle, the top of Dave's beer
0: bottle. Oh, yeah. I don't. I hope you're I enjoying have, it,
2: Dave. To be fair, I would have thrown out Rob. <laughs> <laughs>
0: after, after pretty good hosting of batteries and everything you're gonna me that group. Hey, come on just get back and track any other business we're we'll running out of time yes. but we have mentioned the fact that the distance between games and the gap between games is very short and we're going to get into that in more detail there is an article that we're going to link to, to that we'd like you to read from the BBC just talking about Samoa and some of the other countries and how difficult it is with their players being put under pressure not to play they don't get the same kind of money we need to talk about this and we will as the weeks go on any other business yes. lists, whatever you want to talk about Alan's ready go Alan
1: and this is something that my wife was very upset about.
0: Adrian, you made the cookies and to, the tea. Thanks very much.
1: And nobody seems to have said anything about it. While Fiji were doing their hack or whatever they call it, because I'm not sure if it's called a hack in Fiji, the music was blaring out in Trickenham. Absolutely blaring out. You could barely understand them doing it. Yet for New Zealand, it was all quiet and they were allowed to have their hack-in peace and quiet. I didn't why I, I didn't miss the start of the Samoa game, so I didn't quite see whether Samoa had to do it at all. But for the Fiji game, there was music blaring and it was very, very if you're going to let them do the hacker, at least respect them.
0: Yeah, that's brilliant. I didn't realise that, and that's a great point because it's ridiculous. Uh, William?
1: Amazing thing that they could
3: play two consecutive days in Cardiff and the pitch was perfect, yet they can't play 20 minutes in the Six Nations game before it starts to disintegrate.
0: Oh, interesting. That's, uh, that's, that's, uh, that's almost cryptic, but I think it's pretty <laughs> much straightforward what he's saying. Okay, do you have reasons for this?
3: Uh, no, uh, maybe they should just keep the roof closed all the time But it does it does make a difference Because the pitch is often a shambles Come Six Nations time Yet they played consecutive games And it was perfect Also, playing two games in a row in Brighton Was a fantastic decision They sold it out That's what the World Cup is all about Go to a different place yes. Where rugby isn't generally played and obviously they got Japan, South Africa, which helped a lot.
0: And the key point is, if Ireland were hosting a Rugby World Cup, which don't worry, in the future podcast we're gathering, a, I'm gathering a load of audio to talk about a possible Ireland hosting World Cup, might be some lesson in. Don't have three games over four five weeks. Have a, a week in Mayo or a week in Tipperary or something that makes it a bit different. I think there's a lot, there's a really good point in that. Going to Brighton for a couple of straight days was good. Beers have been passed around. Dave, any other business?
2: Ah, well, I suppose we have to mention it. TMOs, just stop. Just stop. Don't interfere, don't intervene. Um, lads will talk about tries, but there was a period yesterday where there was a ruck, a Uruguayan went into a ruck. He didn't quite use, he didn't wrap around. It wasn't malicious, he didn't hurt the guy. The two yeah. guys ran on to the next ruck. Yeah. And even more importantly, the ref had gone on, and hadn't been. And he gets called back by the team, going, oh, looking for foul play at a ruck. We look at the ruck, you're thinking, if the ref thinks that's okay, if the ref thinks that's okay, why are you pulling it back? It's not a punch, it's not a stamp, it's nothing. They now, they've given them Hawkeye and it's gone to their heads. And yet the weird thing is, they still the referees are are are, a bit, are abiding by them. And yet, referees are making poor decisions without going to TMOs, like things like crooked feeds, uh, players going off their feet to uh, attack uh, They're just being very picky about what they're going to. And I just find it nuts. And I know the guys are equally as angry, but on different issues. We're to you.
3: Problem is now any referee who makes a decision that is shown to be wrong is going to be marked down. They all want to do the final, provided their team isn't in it. That's the difficulty. They don't want to be seen to make an error. If you award a try that's not a try, or as happened on Friday night, and this is another point that has to be looked at, mm. the try was awarded to Fiji. Yes, yes. And this then, happened
0: to Connacht as well in the past. And, but and, it?
3: and, oh, and, and then the the crowd got involved because they saw that it was clearly a knock-on. If the Fijian out half had taken a quick conversion, and kicked it into touch, just a drop kick, the try would have had to stand because the play is over. But he was fiddling around, getting the ball and getting his tee, and then the TMO got onto the referee, and the whole thing was a shambles. But that's the problem. That you know, Jacob Pepper is going to be marked down for that performance.
0: All right, I just want to say one other thing about the draw, that's my rant, which is, is much unrelated, but just a lot of talk about the World Cup draw and the fact that it'll never happen again the way as an england Australia in the group, and oh, they're fixing it. Stop fixing things. This is the old rugby structures. Let's make sure we have this perfect eight, this top eight. Keep it random. Make it more random. These groups are making this World Cup interesting. It's only week one, so let's not get too carried away. But each group has an element. Bar group, which is the most boring group on the planet, looks like at the moment. But Bar group, the other three groups are fascinating and a great job with that draw. And I, Say do it again I'm okay with Ireland being in the group with Australia and England If they're
2: good enough, get out of it because Look what happened to the cricket guys When they started to mess around with things They're now getting a broom on top of them Because, because if, you, if they go down this route I and mean, One fear is that you could pick four teams But what's to say Europe can't stun somebody What's to say Namibia can't do We haven't seen Romania yet, they could do something um, Who's to say Australia might not lose all four of the games We don't know, would not be hilarious If Australia or, or South Africa finish bottom of their group Totally throws all this rumours about top eights out the window
0: there you go, who knows what'll happen. We'll be back again for our short podcast during the week, just uh, it'll be out, I think at the moment the plan is sometime around Thursday evening, definitely Friday morning and that's just going to have a couple of interviews and a bit of of something extra each week and then we'll be back here, I'm not sure if in Alan's house although judging by the cookies and the tea this could become our home venue, closed roof as well, much like the Millennium Stadium (laughs) Thank you Adrie She refuses to speak That's it folks, next week well, who knows? Ireland might beat Romania. Or Romania might beat Ireland. Mm-hmm.